Well, hello, hello, hello. It's your host, Jeppabai, and you've tuned in to The Fractured Brain. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, today is uh, Labor Day. So it is the 5th of September, and happy Labor Day to those of you here in the U.S., and even to those outside of the U.S., which, according to my demographics, I get a ton from all over the world, so it's pretty cool. People actually tune in to hear my rants, my spike, my whatever goes out of my head into my mouth, into my vocal cords, and then I just record myself here on my iPhone talking to you. Okay, so today, um, a little bit of a different twist. Uh, so I, I got an email um, from a friend of Deliverance, uh, Jackson. And, uh, you know, it's funny, he asked a question. And I realized that uh, over the last two months, believe it or not, I've been asked this question. And uh, over and over and over. And, uh, and it was, uh, what kind of effects pedals do you use? Where do you place them? How is the order of your placement? And what are your always on pedals? And which ones do you like to use the most? So I thought I'd talk a little about that. So welcome to Jepabai's Pedal Brigade. All right. So, <clears throat> well, pedals. Hmm. Well, the stories began with me and pedals way back when. I'll never forget uh, discovering uh, pedals. The first being one that uh, my brother handed to me. Uh, he gave me called, uh, it was a, a wah-wah pedal. And uh, he gave that to me when I was, I, I believe, 10. Uh, 10 or 11. And it was a Thomas Organ uh, wah-wah pedal. Um which doesn't work. I still have it, believe it or not. <laughs> I I have this weird thing. Uh, I, I even gave away um, uh, for Patreon giveaways um, a year or two ago. Um, I gave away some of my wall pedal collection because I just have a lot of them. Um, and uh, that one, I guess, is, is special because, you know, it was, uh, my brother gave it to me and it was a Thomas organ wah pedal, which, um, you know, cause later the company was absorbed by Dunlop and then Dunlop started putting out, you know, 2000 different versions of the one wah pedal. Um, <clears throat> you know, always trying to, uh, reinvent the mousetrap. It's just the way it is. Um, the second pedal being, uh, one of great interest called the big muff pie, and uh, by Electro Harmonics, and that was, um, I'll never forget getting, I, I didn't own one, uh, but I would play with my, my brothers. Um, he never gave it to me, but he, he let me use it. And, um, and by letting me use, uh, that's loosely, you know, he didn't know I was using it. It was when he was at work. So, um so I, I just loved playing with this thing. It just had a very unique, nasty, dirty, ugly tone. Um, but yet a very musical um, 
fuzz. Uh, it, was, it wasn't just a noisemaker. It, it had a, a coolness to it. Um, and of course, you know, the lore that, you know, all these different players from Jimmy Page to Neil Young to, I mean, you know, everybody used them. And um, they're just great. Yeah, they're not the nastiest fuzz pedal uh, out there, but uh, they're, they're definitely cool. Um, now they're not like, you know, a distortion pedal or, you know, something like that to try to get, oh, that great grind or whatever. No, that's, this is not the pedal for you. In fact, there is no fuzz pedal for you. Um, that's not what they're designed for. They're kind of, um, more like, uh, singing notes, um, you know, single, single line stuff. I mean, you could play chords with them by, by, uh, all means, but, um, Wah, you know, fuzz pedals are just completely different. Now, combined with a wah, man, you can get some great tones and have a lot of fun with them. Um, real messy. Uh, not a lot of distinguishable uh, things. Um, but that's where the wah comes in, you know, to, to, to uh, play. The wah is, in essence, just a tone pot. And it just, you know, sweeps throughout the different tones, you know. Uh, you know, like a treble and then mid and then bassy. So, um, very, very cool. So, those were the two I remember really, really getting into. And then uh, I, got, uh, I got a hold of, uh, when I was 13, I got a hold of um, what was called a tube screamer. Now, I remember getting it. I was really excited, and uh, but I had a, a little PV backstage, which was a solid state. The <laughs> blah, learn to speak. Um, it was a, a little solid state amp, not a tube amp. And uh, the tube screamer's kind of, it, well, it, it, it's purposeful design, uh, like any kind of overdrive pedal, is to, to help push your tubes uh, in your amp and, and kind of like give a forward thrust to them and, and kind of, you know, cause them to break up a little earlier um, than normal, you know, volume would allow at that moment. So, um, so I remember getting it, plugging it in and just saying, yeah, this thing's doing absolutely nothing. So um, I sold it, um, <laughs> which became a long line of sales of different things and trades and all sorts of stuff just to you know, that's what you do when you're, uh, you know, trying to find your tone, you know. Um, but then uh, I got a hold of a, a, a delay pedal. And uh, when I first played the delay pedal, I, I remember just, you know, just being totally wowed by it. And, um, and I just always had one on. And I can't remember... Uh, who made the delay pedal that I had? Uh, it might have been... Um, it, it was green. That's all I remember. It was green. And it was in a... Like a plastic housing as opposed to... Um, you know, metal or anything like that. It was, it was a cheapy pedal. And... Uh, but I just remember loving that sound. I just... Uh, you know, I, I had just a... Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, like a maybe half a second delay going and, and uh, with just a, a couple of little repeats. And um, if I could just get it just right, you know, it was just kind of an always on pedal for me. 
And uh, and to this day, I still use delay in that in that way. Um, obviously, really influenced by the likes of EVH and um, and other players that just you know have this this kind of delayed sound. Um, but EVH's tone was was definitely the the biggest push and influence for it. Um, a thing that's really really cool if you like take the first four Van Halen records and you pan over to one side, um, you, you get Eddie's guitar, and then if you pan over to the other side, um, you know using your left and right balance, um, then you uh, hear Eddie's guitar, but coming through. A very heavy, like a reverb tank, <clears throat> and um, and it's Michael Anthony's channel. It's you know, and that side is is all bass, I believe, on the right side, and then on the left side, it's uh, Eddie. So um, and combined with uh, Eddie's tape delay, which I didn't even know what a tape delay was, uh, not until about 1984. 485 I, I started hearing about tape delays but we'll get back to that in a second so so that was you know Eddie's tone so it was soaked in this reverb so when you're hearing it come out of both speakers you know you're hearing this reverberated sound uh, this beautiful chamber or plate type of reverb uh, combined with his dry signal and his dry signal had a uh, tape delay on it uh, sometimes he'd use two. One he would just use uh, t- as a kind of a booster or preamp uh, with no with the delay not active, and then the other one with the delay active. So um, that was that heart of this beastly, monstrous guitar tone of Eddie Van Halen's. So um, yeah, uh, I just, I remember falling in love with it and, and that was just what I always used. And I used this ugly green, uh, delay pedal. And although it, di- it didn't sound exactly like, you know, the EVH tone, it, it was fairly close for me, but I always used it. And, um, then deliverance started and, you know, everybody remembered that I always had the tape or, or I had my delay. And, and by this time I had graduated, I remember I, I had uh, broken that delay pedal and through a series of uh, begging or whatever it was, you know, I, I ended up acquiring a digital delay pedal. And I remember being super uber wowed by this one. It was a boss pedal. It was white and... Um, I don't know what it was, a DD5 or who, who knows what it was, but um, but this thing was great. It was it was just cool and had a great tone. And you know, when I wasn't playing with Deliverance, uh, you know, I, I I loved listening to a lot to you know, of course, you know, Gilmore and uh, loved listening to The Edge and um, and I I never really know the guy's name. I mean, I I, I know it like when I see it. But the guitar player for Flock of Seagulls, um, that dude never gets enough credit um, for for what he did with guitar tones, man. With um, with uh, with delay, you know, because everybody credits Edge, and you know, there's no question that the Edge um, is is uh, as Jimmy Page himself called him a sonic architect. Uh, he knows how to use effects. I mean, you know, uh, he might not be the greatest guitar player on the planet. But um, 
he he used effects to create his sound and 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 in a very unique way, a very cool way. So, um, and and that's just what made him awesome, um, and still makes him awesome, in my opinion. I just I, I think he's a mastermind at uh, you know honing in on his craft with uh, the use of effects pedals. But pr- prior to the Edge, uh, the dude from Flock of Seagulls. I mean that dude just uh, i mean he he was he was doing a lot of the same delayed effects and heavy coarse heavy flanger um you know he was he was really into that and then of course we had um the guy who played for missing persons i mean that dude was using an ebo and um you know when people weren't using them yet and um you know of course robert fripp was but um, but uh, yeah, that dude from uh, Missing Persons, man, he, was, he had his his delays, his Ebo, and uh, very heavy coarse flanging. Um, he was another another big effects guy, and again, I think those guys get uh, they they're not as well noticed, and part of it is because you know they didn't obviously get as huge as as uh, the Edge uh, with you too, you know, because by you know, wow, by the release of Joshua Tree, I, I think that U2 uh, was nearly becoming the biggest band on the planet. And uh, for sure by Octung Baby, when that was released, uh, they, they were <laughs> signed, sealed, and solidified uh, the biggest rock band ever. Um, just packing out 100,000 seat arenas wherever they went. Um and so, of course, and and all due respect to to the Edge, you know, he deserves all the uh, credit that he got, because uh, again, just mastermind at what he does, and uh, and he took effects use to a whole other level. So now, when going to Deliverance, I and, and that early tone, uh, I use the delay uh, a lot. Um, it was just part of my guitar sound. It was just an always-on pedal. And uh, you hear early demos of, of us playing, and, and yeah, that was always on. And um, that's how you could tell me from Larry in the early days, because Larry's side was dry and mine had the delay on it. Um, then when we started getting into the more intricate rhythm styles of uh, a la... Uh, speed metal, thrash, Metallica, that kind of thing, and we started diving into that arena. Well, I noticed the delay was m- mucking up things. It was it was muddying up what was going on as far as the intricacies of the rhythms. So, I unfortunately turned my delay pedal off, and it was that was kind of it. I stopped using uh, my delay pedal, and. Uh, put it up and I put it in a box and that was it. And I put it away and, uh, I didn't get rid of it because I loved it. And I figured, well, I'll have some use for it later down the road. And, uh, eventually, uh, I think it got sold at a yard sale. My, my dad, my dad would have periodic yard sales when he wanted gambling money. So he would have these yard sales and just sell whatever he had in, in the garage, just to just clear out room and everything else. And, 
yeah, if you left anything in there of any type of value, uh, yeah, it was going to get sold. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter if it had a sentimental value or anything else. If you were dumb enough to leave it in, you know, the garage, then that was it. It's going to get sold. <laughs> so we all learned that. All all of us kids and my mom, we all learned that lesson very quickly when my dad started doing the yard sale bit. Um, so... um. But eventually, uh, I wanted to start doing some different types of things. So I remember buying a, an Elise's MIDI verb. And if you remember those, um, and uh, actually it was the nano verb. It wasn't even a MIDI verb. It was the nano verb. And it, and it was in this little almost half rack uh, type of setting. It, 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 like, it didn't fit in a rack. Uh, just kind of sat on top of your amp and can get knocked over. And it, it was kind of a pain to use, but man, it sounded good. And I mean, for back then, you know, for what it was in 84, 85, 86, you know, and it had reverse reverb on there. I just remember that that was what overbold me, sold me, and I had to have one. Um, then uh, the, the, the rack uh, fever came into uh, all guitar players uh, little area and we all started buying rack effects or getting our stuff racked and um, I remember getting my first rack uh, unit and um, it was uh, it was such a sweet there was a sweet guy he was our one of our security guards um, back when we had to have security Um and this is 1987, and um, I, you know, I was going to the guys over at Lab Sound. Now, Lab Sound was this really great place. Um, they were one of the only boogie dealers in town, um, next to the Fred House and West LA Music. Well, West LA was too far, and they were a bunch of snobs. And Fred House was really far, but I would drive there. And you guys on other episodes have heard me talk about them that's where I got my first Mesa from in 1985 um, but uh, uh, yeah if you haven't listened go back listen to those stories it's pretty funny um, driving my scooter you know for 25 miles uh, just to, or however many miles it was I can't remember but um, so um or was I? Oh, okay, so Lab Sound. Now, Lab Sound had a lot of uh, really high-end pro stuff. I mean, they didn't, like, you know, just sell, like, Gibson guitars. They sold Tom Anderson and and all these really extremely rare boutique uh, type of guitars and, and effects and all these. You know, they, they just weren't a typical company, but they were a Mesa dealer. And Mesa for the most part, as mainstream as they look, they still are the original boutique company because, you know, they were hard to get in the early days and there weren't very many dealers. Um, still to this day, I still kind of think they're that way to a degree because there, there's just not a ton of boogie dealers out there. Um, anywho, so, and of course, I you know, I met the DeLeo brothers there, you know, who went on to form Stone Temple Pilots and... Um, Met Jeff Seba there. He worked there, um, and uh, but my guy was named his. It was Richie, 
and the owner, his name was uh, Herschel. And uh, so I, I dealt with these guys all the time, and they were, you know, they, they were uh, by by this time they were definitely used to me uh, doing the dollar down, dollar a week type of deals um, and extending credit to me just to get me out of their store. Um, but they knew I had the Mesa Mark III, and then I, you know, then I, I was telling them that I want to power more than two cabinets and. They were like, well, you need an external power amp. And they were trying to tell me what I need. And it's like, you know, why, why are you telling me what I need? And, and uh, you know, I can't afford it. And and then, you know, but they always knew somehow, some way I would end up finding a way. Um, nonetheless, uh, so Jack, this guy, Jack, big, huge guy. He was in my wedding, uh, one of our ushers. And... Um, and uh, he um, stood like 6'6", big, tall dude, huge guy, uh, awesome security guy, awesome guy, period, Just super nice friend. Um, well, he wanted me to have um, my, uh, my rack because he saw that I, I went and I bought the actual rack unit to place my head in, but I had nowhere to put it. You know, I had no rack. I was going to build one. And I tried having me and my dad build build a rack, and it was just too heavy, and we couldn't put it on casters and all this other stuff. So um, he was like, well, does anybody sell these? And I go, well, Anvil does and everything else. So I go, let's go talk to the guys at Lab Sound. So we went over to Lab Sound, and Mesa had just put a, a little shock mount rack uh, like a 20 space shock mount rack, real simple little box. And, uh, it was like, uh, 300 bucks or 400 bucks or something like that. And, and, uh, it was so funny. Jack said, I'll, you know, I'll buy it for you, you know, and you just pay me back or whatever, uh, monthly payments or whatever. And, and, uh, but he was like, wow, 400 bucks for a metal box with wheels that's really crazy but you know it was a lot more than that but he didn't know so um but so i i needed an effects unit i i was talking to richie and i said hey you know i, I really want to get you know for my clean sounds and my clean tones i want to have like you know um uh, some sort of you know you know delay reverb and you know, uh, so, you know, and I see all the pros are using different things. And, and he got me into the MIDI verb and eventually a quadroverb, um, which was cool because it allowed you to use four effects at once because the MIDI verb did do reverb, delay and everything, but not all at once. You had to choose one. So I had to have two MIDI verbs in there if I wanted reverb and delay or course and delay, um, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, so I had two MIDI verbs in there and, uh, then, like I said, eventually, uh, I traded those in to the guys at labs and they gave me a quadra verb and I went with that. So, uh, and they would wire my stuff up all professionally they would set up my guitars and, you know, all these things I just completely didn't know what they were doing. I just knew that my stuff was awesome and, uh, and they were just doing so much. So when, uh, we got signed and my management, you know, eventually like, uh, set up a line of credit there. They were so grateful because I owed them so much money and they were, they like immediately billed them for everything I owed. So, 
so, but now these were the days of the rack effects. So, you know, and it's like, okay, well, I need a pedal to turn all this stuff on. And now everything was like MIDI switchable. And, and, and then we had to have these things called the Rockman Octopus and by Rocktron or Rockman or something like this. And that way you can assign, you know, your, your clean channel and your dirty channel and all this other stuff. And, uh, and it was like, okay, so gone are the days of the pedal boards. Uh, and now everybody's doing the MIDI thing. And, you know, of course, the real pros were, you know, had the, the, the Eventide H3000 and the TC2290 digital delay and, and uh, you know, the, the Lexicon PCM80 or PCM70. You know, that would that all that stuff was in the rack. And eventually I ended up getting into that stuff too. Um and having all that nonsense in my rack. Um but gone were the pedals. So I was really happy to see a resurgence of the pedal board. And that started probably around the the mid-90s. You know, people started you know, revisiting the idea of having a pedal board. And I remember looking and going, you know, this is ridiculous because, you know, by, by the, the, my last real rig with Deliverance, uh, you know, I had a, a Tri-Axis, um, which was the fully MIDI preamp, and then I had the Mark III still, and then I had a Strategy 400-watt power amp that would power, you know, my two 412s and then two 212s. And eventually I sized down to a 50-50 power amp stereo and um, and would power two 212s because uh, I just made more sense. And there was no need for all that firepower anymore. And not to mention getting yelled at by sound men to turn down all the time. It was a drag. So, um, okay. So now let me get to the nitty gritty. So now... It's it's mid to late nineties, obviously the big Nirvana, the Seattle thing, you know, and every and they're like so anti-establishment, even though they're embracing the establishment uh that's making them <laughs> sell tons of records and and plummeting plummeting or not plummeting, but rocketing them to the tops of the church that they said they didn't want to be a part of. But that's a whole other story. Um so a lot of them brought back the use of uh, odd guitars, you know, the Fender Mustang, the Fender Jaguar, uh, you know, guitars that hadn't seen the light of day in a long time. And, uh, the guy from Soundgarden, you know, using, um, the, uh, the Guild's, uh, Guild guitar that looked like an SG that I ended up getting from a beautiful patron of mine. Um, and he sent me a classic, uh, you know, an actual 1972, which was cool. Um, but uh, so, but but nobody wanted to just use the the imperialist type of stuff, which was, you know, everything that w- the hair metal bands, as, as it were, were using. Even though tons of the studio guys that weren't hair metal were using all the rack gear, and uh, you know, all the pros were using rack gear, but you know, whatever. It's all good. So, uh, but the resurgence started and certainly by the mid two thousands now, 
it's like rack gear was obsolete. You know, the H3000s and the H4000s and the 2290s and the PCM70s and the PCM80s and all those beautiful rack effects, they were all being relegated to studio use again. And and then as plugins started to get bigger and bigger and bigger and sounding better, then they started getting relegated to the, uh, you know, the classic vintage files. So, um, but again, another story. So now we see the effects pedals coming back. And, and so I decided, I think it was around 2006, um, right after doing the uh, Jupiter 6 Back From Mars album, I, I, you know, that I wanted to go ahead and, and build build me a pedal board. And in fact, build me the pedal board I never got to have because I always had like pedals here and there, but I never got to use all of them at once and have them all together. And uh, and man, that's what started me down that road. And I realized, wow, there's just so many good pedals. So I've been through a lot of different pedals over the years, especially since 2006 and starting down that path and going and finding vintage pedals and, uh, you know, trying to, you know, find that sound of yesteryear. And, uh, you know, because, you know, there was just so many junk pedals being released and, and we were on the cusp of, uh, you know, the big, big companies that, uh, or the, the boutique companies coming about, you know, the Wamplers, the, Walrus Audio and, you know, you know, this, you know, Strymon hadn't even been invented yet. They were still under another name. And, uh, you know, and then of course, you know, line six was doing all the modeling and everything. So, uh, and, but they were releasing pedals too. And they had, a uh, that big, ugly green digital delay pedal that had like 40,000 different delays in it and, and uh, modulation and all this other stuff. So there was a lot of cool things coming out. And so I remember building my first pedal board and then uh, then lost interest because, you know, I was working so much at the casinos at that time and building my career path there. And then I, oh, you know, let me get back to it. And then I try to rebuild and I start building another board. And... Um, was having fun and when I really started getting serious uh which was around probably 2008 uh decided you know I'm gonna start building a really serious pedal board and and uh got me a, a small stone and a small clone from electroharmonics and in a big muff and uh um Got me a real McCoy wah pedal as opposed, opposed to the crybaby. And, you know, just started having fun with different types of pedals and, and uh, you know, whatever you can get your hands on. And this is before they were all priced at such ludicrous uh, prices now that they are. Um, things were still reasonable and, you know, you can get a nice board for fairly cheap uh, and have great, great tones, you know. So... Um, but I started getting into it and, you know, radial was coming out, you know, out of Canada, they were coming out with some cool pedals. And I remember buying, uh, the Carl Martin Plexi, uh, out of Denmark. And they, they did a, a like a, a Plexi drive and, and radial did a tone bone and, um, 
I really got into Vox amps at that time, and I had a, an AC-15, and then for small use, I had an AC-4. Because uh, people don't realize the AC-15, for being a 15-watt amp, it's very loud. It's like there is no playing that amp, you know, low volume. So, um, so uh, I but I started just building and just having fun and then realizing, oh, wow, some pedals just sound super great in the front of the amp. Some pedals sound like absolute crap in the front of the amp. So then you have to start figuring out pedal order and what play. And, and there are pedals that don't play well with others. And some people don't, some of the pedals don't like the front of the amp. Some pedals want the effects loop. Um, and boy, just started learning this whole other world of different things. So, um, but I loved electroharmonics. That was, that was a mainstay for a while. And, uh, then just started discovering other pedals, uh, as we went, like I said, I mean, I knew Carl Martin, I knew radial and of course, you know, the, 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 the main ones, boss and, uh, MXR, um, you know, then companies like Way Huge came out before they were absorbed by Dunlop and um, and uh, Pigtronics, of course. And, uh, you know, so, you, you know, you have all these different pedal makers. And so, you know, you try one out, you read about one, you know, you hear about, you know, oh, this guitar player uses that and that's how he gets that tone. And you just start messing with it. And, you know, before long, you end up with, you know, 15 pedals and no board and then you have to go buy a board and and then you know you're running a one spot you know which is just this you know big daisy chain of outlets and then you're wondering why you're picking up you know radio noise and airplanes passing by and everything else and so you just start learning all these different things you know as as you go along and and it if you're a maniac and you have some sort of maniacal brain and love self-torture and self-abuse, well, then you love this thing. You love building pedal boards. Um, I remember building a board in um, in Alabama when I was there uh, over at Three Frogs. And I, I mean, I used all top shelf pedals and I couldn't get rid and uh, the best wiring Megami. And then I switched from Megami to lava and then went from lava to this, you know, and this thing made a noise and it was a noise I couldn't get rid of. And I called every of the manufacturers. I was trying to isolate it and couldn't find it called Strymon called, uh, I called Vertex Effects because, you know, they were p building pedal boards, professional pedal boards. Tried to even find, you know, who does Pete Cornish's stuff, you know, who's a custom pedal maker from the 70s. And, you know, I mean, I just couldn't figure out what this noise was. And uh, lo and behold, it was a screw that was holding in uh, uh, some wires in place that I just, I used... Uh, a screw that I would not even think would conduct. It was an aluminum screw. So, I, I mean, I figured, you know, aluminum's not, not conductive. So, you know, this isn't going to create any issue. But that one stupid screw 
what was causing it all. And it, it, it took weeks to figure it out. It was so stupid. Anywho, um, but uh, I can't say enough good about some pedals, pedal makers out there. Uh, Strymon's one of them. I, I really, really like Strymon. I think uh, they just make really great sounding pedals. Now, make no make no uh, mistake. Um, every pedal builder has their kind of like there's there's a signature tone that goes with their pedals, uh, and Strymon is certainly one of them. So uh, there's never like hearing a certain reverb and going, oh, I wonder who that. And I mean, you know, it's Strymon. Um, same with their delays. Same with I mean, they're just all their pedals have a sound a certain sound and it's you know it's based on their tone engine you know um but so um i've kind of gotten away from strymon i really really fell in love with the uh you, you, you know i'm a, i'm a, for those of you who know and watch my youtube channel you guys know i'm a universal audio absolute fanboy love everything ua and, uh, well, they started making effects pedals here a few years ago and I was lucky enough to be sent a couple and, uh, just absolutely, absolutely love them. And, um, they're just, they're just the most pristine sounding effects. So, um, so the big question is, and, and this will change, trust me, maybe not as drastically now. <laughs> but because uh, I think what I have on my board, unless people start sending me more more effects, uh, is pretty much going to stay there for a while. Because, uh, well, that's uh, the life of a full time musician. So, um, but I, I I'm really happy with where uh, I am on my board right now. So, uh, and people ask, so what do you have? So. I will go ahead and let you know exactly what I have. So, um, I first, you know, for power supply, uh, I don't think you can get a better power supply than uh, Strymon's. Um, it, I mean, they power all voltages, all, um, you know, milliamps, uh, every, whatever your power needs they can handle it. Um, and they're super clean. And if you go and watch like the, uh, little, uh, videos that they put on their, their website and also on their web channel on their YouTube channel, uh, the Zuma power supply was like designed by guys from NASA and, uh, JPL laboratories. I mean, it's like crazy. I mean, they got people like that to help, uh, go into the design of these things because they are just an amazing power supply. So I've got a, a Zuma from Strymon and, uh, the little breakout box called the Ohi. Uh, cause when I ran out of, uh, outlets, uh, needed, uh, I didn't want two Zumas, so they make a little mini one called the Ohi. And so I've got the Ohi to power the remaining pedals that needed to be powered. Um, so that is beginning with that. Now in the front of my chain, cause I run what's called a four cable method, which means I have, um, 
pedals that are going to the front of the amp and then pedals that are going to the effects loop. Um, and we'll go a little bit into that in a bit, but I'll tell you what I'm running as of right now. So I go from my guitar into the TC Electronics Bonafide buffer. Out of the buffer, I go into my Crybaby. I have a wall pedal. Uh, and it's just a basic Dunlop, I think the Gene 95 or whatever, just a, just their basic wall pedal. Um, then out of the Crybaby, I go into uh, the Peterson Strobo Stomp tuner. Uh, out of the tuner, I go into the MXR Poly Blue Octaver. Uh, if you like great octave pedals, and I was a big time user of um, the Electroharmonics uh, Pog. I love the Pog, and um, that thing was just super cool. But this thing is a beast, and the tracking is, in my opinion, it's a little better uh, than the Pog. Although the Pog was pretty amazing for its time. Um, so, and then I go out of the Poly Blue into my Strymon Compadre. And the Compadre is two pedals in one. It is a compressor on one side and uh, a boost pedal on the other. So, and I do use both. Um, and then out of that, I go into uh, my Beastronics Vespa uh, fuzz pedal. And if you haven't played one of these, man, it, it's worth it. it. It's one of the nastiest sounding fuzz pedals in the planet. It's just, it's just so, and it sounds like you got a bag full of bees, you know, and, and it has an octaver, um, switch on it. It's a double switch on the single switch. It's really, really cool. Like you press it twice real fast and, and then it goes into this octave mode. That's just sick. But, um, and it has a, an automatic natural gate in it or automatic gate built in so you don't have all that nasty noise to deal with. Really, really cool pedal. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, and then I go out of that into my JHS Screamer, which is a tube screamer. Uh, really love it for um, just just a nice overdrive pedal you know it's just got a it's got a vibe and it pushes the tubes nicely and um i use it with uh their modded mode it, there's a couple of different modes on it but simple pedal three knobs real easy to use out of that i go into my mxr sugar drive and uh the sugar drive another great overdrive pedal i mean just warm beautiful sweet buttery tone um but i i and i use that for overdrive too but and i'll stack between the jhs and the sugar drive uh if you don't stack your overdrive pedals you're missing the best of life man it's fun stuff to do um but uh for the most part i use the mxr uh the sugar drive to clean up uh some of the frequencies on my mesa so the old trick in the early days of the rectifiers was to throw a tube screamer in front and, you know, throw the gain all the way down and the volume, all, you know, all the way up and then the tone right around the center. Um, well, that still works on even the Mark amps. And if you want to just kind of add a little more definition 
to your tone, uh, you could try that. Uh, I like the sugar drive. And then out of the sugar drive, I go into another uh, TC Electronics Bonafide buffer pedal and then out to my amp. So why do I have two buffer pedals? Why well, want right at the beginning of the chain and then right at the end of the chain? Buffer pedals basically keep your line level because uh, all that cable that's being used, you know, whether you're, you know, if, you know, you're using, oh, well, I only am using like 10, you know, two inch cables or 10, you know, uh, six inch cables or whatever. That's, that's a lot when you start adding it all up. And the longer your cables, the, the signal loss starts happening. And uh, then you got your guitar cable and then you got the cable running to the amp. So depending on, you know, how far you are from your amp, uh, chances are you're running 18, 15 feet or 18 feet away from your amp. And then you got your guitar pedal. So and then all those patch cables in between. So that's a lot of signal loss. And the buffer pedals help to preserve the signal loss. That's what a buffer pedal is for. Then, uh, then I've got three simple pedals that I run uh, into the effects loop. Now, I was not always a fan of using um, modulation in the effects loop. However, um, depending on the pedal you use, now see, like the Strymon Mobius that I used for years, um, I hated that thing in the effects loop. I used it in the front of the amp and it sounded great, but I did not like it in the effects loop. Muddied up the tone. It was just way too, it was almost too strong. Like it affected the signal way too much. Um, but I am using the UAFX uh, Astra, and which has multiple mo modulation in it, you know, uh, chorus, flanging, uh, tremolo, um, and uh, phase shifter. And uh, it's, it's just super great. I, I highly recommend to try one. Um, and then I go out of that into uh, the UAFX um, Starlight, which is a delay. And there's multiple types of delay in there. And I'm, I'm using the Memory Man setting mostly. I just, I love the way the Memory Man sounds. Uh, and this thing emulates it perfectly. Um, and I mean, weird tonality and everything. It's just super cool. Uh, then out of that into the Golden Reverberator. Uh, pedal and then out to the effects loop. So um, those are strictly running through there. They all have mix. So that way you can control how strong your reverb and your delay is. Um, what is my always on pedal? I, I've got to say it's probably the delay pedal. Um, once I started building boards, that's my always on pedal, no matter what. Um, just absolutely love it. Um, just, it, it, and, and now with those mix knobs that they put on the delay pedals, um, now you can have it where it doesn't interfere with your riffs and, you know, cause I could play fast riffs all day long and, you know, it's not, it's not affecting it at all. You don't hear it. Um, so it's cause it doesn't interfere with anything that you're playing. It's really, really cool. It's just kind of there. Um, and also, um, like with other, there's another pedal, and this one replaced a very beloved delay pedal that I used for years and years and years called the El Capistan by um, uh, Strymon. And this was a um, along the lines of uh, 
of uh, tape delay. And it was it's probably the best tape delay emulation out there. Um, and uh, the reason I went with this and I took that off my board and I, and I replaced it with Starlight is A, UA was kind enough. And, uh, and, and not only that, uh, I mean, I actually really, really like it. And I like the Memory Man. And I'd never owned a Memory Man. I borrowed one once and I remember loving it. And uh, but this thing does a great, I mean, a bang up job at emulating that, as well as like digital delay and crisp delays and analog delay. It's a, it just does a great, great job. Um, and the slap delays on it, phew, awesome stuff. So if you like that rockabilly country thing, it's cool. Um, but I highly recommend the Strymon Alcavi Stone. It's another delay that just doesn't get in the way. Uh, it just doesn't get in the way. Not the rhyme wasn't intended, but there you go. A delay that doesn't get in the way. So, um, and the reverb, the golden reverberator, that replaced my Strymon Blue Sky. And the Blue Sky was a long stay. Obviously, I loved it mostly for that, uh, uh, what is that, that setting that, I don't know, every worship leader uses now and, and, and every, I can't even remember what it does, but it's that really angelic, beautiful sounding reverb. Um, yeah, I, like I said, it just kind of, you know, like I said, everybody and their brother's using it. So it's like, eh, it's time to move on. And this thing does probably some of the best spring reverb uh, emulation and plate and chambers uh, that, that you can get. I mean, and the hall is really, really nice too. And you can get that real nice shoegazery thing with uh, with this reverb pedal. So uh, that's why I'm using those now. And I just I just happen to love everything like this. I mean, now talk to me from a year a year from now, and I'll probably have some either added pedals to this, which I think I only have one more free outlet, and that's it. Uh, so maybe an additional pedal, uh, or maybe some of these have been replaced. I don't know. There's a lot of new overdrive pedals on the market. And, um, so, I mean, people ask me, and so why do you use overdrive when you've got, you know, the natural distortion and the boogie or whatever, you know, it's just different tone, different, different things to play with, you know, um, I like to play with blues. I like to play blues music and, and, uh, and sometimes I'll, I, I just want that clean drip, you know, the clean amp with just a little bit of hair on it. And then you throw that overdrive on, you know, and it just uh, just gives you a whole new tonality. You know, it's just something cool. So remember, you're not just stuck with what you have. And and it's funny. And, and with the Mark amp, primarily the Mark 525 that I have, um, you know, you have three modes on each channel. And, uh, you know, people immediately assume, oh, you're on the dirty channel, you're using you know, the Mark II C or the Mark IV setting. And actually I use the crunch setting on the clean channel um, with the gain all the way up. And that is the key of my uh, dirty sound right now. It's, it's so thick and meaty and more reminiscent of a, of a Mark III tone um, that I've ever heard anywhere. I mean, it, uh, other than just a Mark III. Um, and then, like I said, just to clean up some of that frequency imbalance and strange harmonics that you sometimes get with Mesa because of the, uh, intricacies with their wiring and 
all this other stuff and as well as their uh their graphic eq that lends a lot of noise and everything uh sometimes you just want it a little cleaned up so that's why i use the sugar drive and but any good overdrive pedal will do uh, as long as it just doesn't overcolor it you should be fine so effects pedals yeah my always on will probably always be a delay pedal it's just because i love them and always will always have always will and uh i'm a creature of habit so i can't help it i i always uh i tend to go back to uh what has always worked for me and um kind of like i've owned a zillion different amps but i always go back to boogie because it always worked for me so um but that's my always on pedal but and, and then when i do clean sometimes i like uh just the natural compression of the tube amp depends if i'm driving it um and then other times i just I, i'll throw that compressor on when i want that really tight squeezed sound uh, again everything just matters on your personal preference uh, but i always tell people you know don't just put a pedal on there and hope that it's going to magically do something you got to really 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 put some time into it spend time with your rig um spend time to see where what sounds best and oh this sounds better here in the front of the amp this sounds better on the outset of the amp um you know this pedal doesn't work well with that one you don't really find that much anymore that's mostly a vintage pedal thing um but if you're a guitar player, man, you're robbing yourself if you're not playing with pedals. Pedals are just so, so fun. And, and if I truly had the patience and more so the talent, uh, I would be like, you know, the guitar player uh, that played with Jupiter 6, uh, Jeff Seba, who is a pedal master. Um, <laughs> he surrounds himself with like three different pedal boards. And, um, but he's one of those guys that like actually uses all of them. Um, so I remember having a pedal board with so much crap on it that, you know, I didn't even use it. Um, and, uh, didn't even use half the pedals on there. I just wanted them because they were cool and they were cool to own, but doesn't necessarily mean you're going to use them. So, all right. Well, I hope you enjoyed a little trip down some amnesia lane and some of it current and actually most current to tell you what I use, how I use it and the best way that works for me. And I hope that, uh, you got something out of it. And, um, I know I did. And as always, I thank you so much for joining me here. So again, have a happy Labor Day and uh, we will speak soon. You've been listening to The Fractured Brain.